even though folks on the street might not have housing, the sense of home and community that's created is amazing. And I think that's what so many people want to tap into. This is where the rubber meets the road, actually meeting people who, I mean, I always think in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus sends, is always sending people out to the road. And it's kind of like, well, that's where we are out on the road. Welcome to Prez You Speak. This is Reverend Greg Klimovitz, your Associate Presbyter and host for our Presbyteries podcast. We are pretty excited about the conversation we have for you on this episode. As many may know, one of our ecumenical ministries we have supported for over a decade has been the Welcome Church, an ecumenical worship and community partnership with the local Lutheran Synod of Southeastern Pennsylvania and our Presbytery. Welcome Church especially hinges on ministry alongside people experiencing chronic street homelessness. I sat down with our own Reverend Sean Steinigel, Associate of the Welcome Church, and Reverend Violet Little, Founding Minister of the Welcome Church. They shared a number of stories, and we talked quite a bit about how their inclusive and empowering love of neighbor is coming alongside those in our city. However, we were most eager to share about their 2018 and 2021 Covenant Fund initiative, Sanctuary Village which is a tiny house project embraced by the city of Philadelphia that will be a vital and collaborative effort to provide housing and community to those presently unhoused. So lean in. God's spirit is alive and well in and through these saints. A side note, if you are interested in collaborating with the Welcome Church after you listen to this episode, you can check out a helpful resource on this episode page or by visiting www.presbyphl.org and click Welcome Church on the Ministry Association's dropdown. Be well, friends. Well, welcome, friends. Uh, I'm delighted to share with you this opportunity to enter into this conversation with us with two incredibly faithful and gifted pastoral leaders in our presbytery, as well as in uh, the, the Lutheran Synod that is right next to us, uh, in Seanel Steinigel and Violet Little. Uh, two pastors serving in this very important ministry in Philadelphia and the, and the surrounding regions as they walk alongside uh, their neighbors who are experiencing homelessness. So uh, I'm just going to invite them to, to introduce themselves to us, to share about who they are, uh, the communities that they represent, and, and then we'll, we'll dive in. I'm Violet. I'm the Lutheran one. And um, <laughs> I'm the... Uh, founder and mission developer of the Welcome Church. And that leaves me, um, I'm Seanel, and I, <laughs> I um, <clears throat> have been formerly on staff with the Welcome Church since 2013, which is just amazing how time flies. And um, I got to know Violet and the Welcome Church uh, pretty close to when it was beginning in uh, 2007-ish, whatever, there around so to, make up, to make up a year. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I find it a delightful process to continue to be a part of. It's a, it's a joy to, to be able to engage in this conversation with you over the Zoom screen. Uh, we've been able to see each other in person a few times over the last two years as you've continued to, to do ministry safely uh, on the parkway and in other spaces throughout Philly. Uh, but for those who may be uh, learning about the Welcome Church for the first time, I'll share uh, briefly, but then if you can just let us know a little bit more about who you are. But Welcome Church is an ecumenical partnership, uh, not only between the, the Lutheran Church, the ELCA, and the Presbyterian Church, and our Presbyterian in particular, 
Um, but it's also uh, a collaboration of other denominations uh, that are represented in our leadership and in their guests who participate in worship and volunteering. And this ministry of the Welcome Church, I love how you refer to it as a church without walls, uh, because you literally have none. Uh, you're a nomadic faith community, if you will. Uh, and so if you could just share a little bit briefly about who the Welcome Church is uh, and who makes up your um, your membership, if you even were to say you had a membership. The Welcome Church um, is a church and the same as any other uh, faith-based group. We are people who come together to proclaim God's grace and love and radical uh, forgiveness and acceptance of each one of us. That's our primary purpose. And in the Welcome Church, we are mostly made up of people who are living on the street in Philadelphia and experiencing uh, what is called chronic street homelessness. So that means people have been living on the street for a number of years. Um, we like to say we're a church without walls because uh, as you said, Greg, we don't have a building. But we also like to think of ourselves as a church without walls because um, we try to knock down all the things that separate us as the one body living um, in this world together. And there are signs of that community all over Philly. Uh, when, when you go down there, you can even see it. I remember uh, when a few of us were, were visiting with you about a year ago, uh, you have these pendants, these cross pendants. Yes. That, that you wear around your neck. And I remember seeing you literally take this cross pendant off your neck and it had the word Ecclesia on the long side, uh, on the side of it, reminder of the church. And you literally handed it off to one of the members of your faith community. And yes. I remember you sharing that that was a reminder that, the, that they were a part of the church. Can you share a little bit about the significance of that kind of handoff uh, that may reflect your community? Sure, we have a tradition in the Welcome Church. Um, we have crosses that have been specially designed for people who are participating in any kind of street church ministry. They can't be purchased. And that becomes our sign of identification. And even though it is a cross, it's interpreted um, many different ways by the person who's wearing it. Uh, for example, we, we have one person and no, we don't have membership. If you show up, you're part of the Welcome Church. Uh, because membership can also be a wall. But um, I remember one person from the Jewish tradition who asked for one, who admired it. And what she saw in it wasn't so much Jesus on the cross, but she saw a dancing God. We use that as a symbol of connection because uh, many times we can't be together. And people have held on to that cross at night when they're sleeping alone in dark alleys. They've held on to it when they've been in the hospital. And early on, it became such a sign of identification with the Welcome Church that um, people from hospitals would call us, even if they didn't have a name or an ID on a person hospitalized, or, or even one time the coroner called us. Uh, if they were wearing that cross, they knew that they, they were somehow connected to our community. So the tradition is if somebody admires it and asks about it and seems to want it, if we're wearing it, we take it off our neck, we, we put it on over the head of the person um, admiring it, and we say a special blessing for that person. And we've given out, that has happened hundreds of times over the years. And what I hear you saying, uh, Reverend Violet, is Welcome Church has, has cultivated a sense of belonging. 
for for your neighbors who are so often passed by. Yes. And uh, I think about in, in the Presbyterian language, we talk about in life and in death, we belong to God. Yes. And that symbol that you give them around their neck has literally reminded them, doctors, yourselves, that all these folks that so often get passed by in life and in death have a sense of belonging that may have uh, ev evaded them for so long. Yes, yes. So one of the things I would love to, to hear about would, would be how has the Welcome Church uh, really uh, spoken to and, and, and elevated the importance of ecumenical collaborations and ministry partnerships, especially in this work of, of responding to pervasive homelessness in our, in our city and surrounding region? The Welcome Church is a church made up of so many partnerships. And the one thing that has tied us together is this sense of bringing a message of hope and love to people who haven't felt loved and particularly those experiencing homelessness. This is the, the thing that ties us together. And, and the congregation itself is made up of people from so many different traditions that it's a gift to have so many traditions represented. And that even includes um, people who, who at first say, you know, we don't believe in God, but we want to be part of the community. So the diversity of the um, ecumenical partnerships has been nothing but a gift. And it's been, um, you know, there's uh, multiple resources to be shared and the Presbytery has been amazing to the Welcome Church. But even beyond the concrete resources, the, um, the different expressions of who God is has just been crucial in connecting to people who maybe even grew up um, with, with church not being so kind to them. So um, it's essential. I don't think the Welcome Church can be a church of any one denomination or any one expression of who God is. And yet at the same time, each of us on our clergy team and each one in the Welcome Church, we um, we, we have a strong sense of um, uh, integrity in our own expressions and there's space for all that to be expressed in what we do in worship and how we do things. We're a multilingual church <laughs> um, expressing the love of God. And that's how I think of uh, um, our ecumenical partners and being together It's multilingual. So it's it's interesting when you have sort of a church without walls. So there's nothing there's there's <laughs> there's not this, this all you have is what you what you put in a bag and bring out to the parkway, and that has become even more um, constrained in in the time of COVID because we just want to be touching less things and touching something, give it to someone else to get back made. So we even are trying to bring less, you know, tangible items out and. So you just have the question kind of what are the things that bind us together as a worshiping community or as Christians and what are the essentials of the church? We're very, the Welcome Church is very much grounded in the word and, and the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and also baptism. And, um, and we, you know, and obviously and, and regular Bible study tied with communion have also been, has been the other regular practice and just really those are the things that um, there's not a lot more trappings there to to get to get involved with. And then the other thing is obviously siding with the people who are 
um, on the outside of society to, to such a large extent. And kind of if that doesn't bind us together, then, <laughs> then, I'm, then I, I don't know what, you know, I, I very much hope that binds us together. And so it really is just finding what are the essentials. And I think, you know, we're in this quote post Christendom era with, you know, um, declining church attendance or whatever, or whatever, but this is, this is where the rubber meets the road, actually meeting people who are, I mean, I always think in the gospel of Luke, Jesus sends, is always sending people out to the road. And it's kind of like, well, that's where we are out on the road. And uh, that just where the, where, where that's the, that really has to be the place ministry. If, if not, you know, if not in the past 2000 years in this era, it definitely has to be. And we're, you know, and just the ecumenically deciphering what it, the things we can all get along on really become the essentials of the church. And that's, you know, um, building relationships with people out on the streets. And I love that metaphor, Shana, especially what you just said, this is where the rubber meets the road. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, she's dropping a cliche there. But like, you know, no, this is like, <laughs> I'm serious. Like, literally, we're literally right? on the road. <laughs> and that's so beautiful when you think about where Jesus was constantly moving. Uh, and that's why I say what I, the metaphor that I've used a lot for your ministry is a nomadic movement yeah. uh, of goodness. And, um, and that's, that, that's a gift uh, of your ministry. So often, the way that the church has responded to homelessness and those who are experiencing chronic street homelessness is the, the image I always use is like feeding the pigeons. Mm. Let's take our youth group, let's take our volunteers into the city and feed the homeless as if like they're these invasive creatures That's in our city. And uh, let's give them little pieces of bread. You flip that completely upside down and dignify them as our neighbors who fully reflect not only the image of God, but leadership abilities, discipleship, all that kind of stuff. So they're the, you're not doing ministry to the homeless. No. You're doing ministry. And those who are in ministry with you happen to be experiencing homelessness. Can you speak to why that shift is so important? I would say, I, you know, I, I, I think I've referred to the two... Um, most commonly repeated themes I see in many congregations doing ministry, which seem to be going down the wrong path. And one of those is the classic, you know, you, um, we're going to have a Bible study and then we're going to have dinner after it. And if you want to have dinner, you have to come to the Bible study first. And so this, or, and the um, even more extreme example of that is I uh, worked at a homeless shelter in Washington DC years ago and there would be like on, I don't even think it'd be like on Sunday afternoon, but a big like semi truck would pull up in front of the shelter and they would speak from like bullhorns out, you know, <laughs> and this sense of us, you know, but does us and them, like we have the truth, we are, we are the saved people. And since we know you are not, we will give you, we will try our, you know, dangdest to give you the information you obviously are so lacking, you know, because you're lost and we're not, you know, so there's that model, which really is in the model of you come to my Bible study and then I'll let you eat. And then the other model of sort of a no strings attached feeding, which yeah, we feed completely. If we give out food, there's no strings attached with the food, but a lot of food closets and things which are, you know, obviously a 
valuable aspect of an emergency food network, but there's the, the church is so afraid to cross lines that they that, 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 that they continue to use this language of us and them like we we serve this many people in our community it's always the people of our community coming to our church and it's like at what point does the us and them break down at what point does you know do do we just you know find ways to feed one another and I so I think um and I mean, I've, and obviously you can, I mean, I can cite exceptions to that. You see congregations doing things that do help to break down those walls. But I think sometimes like the, the liberal failing has been to be so careful about not making anyone go to church that they don't build any, that they don't build any ties whatsoever, or, you know, don't invite people in, in any way. This, you know, this is a, you know, something that's worked out best in community that people talk about their experiences and people talk about how they read scripture together. And they, and we all, we all learn from one another and that the faith of people on the street is extremely, you know, can be extremely just remarkably strong in, in the face of um, incredible hardship. There was once a man who at Bible study told, you know, he just said, when I was first out on the street, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to go to sleep at night. I didn't know how anyone went to sleep at night. And then I started, and then I got to know some of the other guys and I got to know their faith and, you know, and, and that strengthened my faith so that I could go to sleep at night, you know? So there's the rubber meeting the road, you know I mean? So if, if people who come from suburban churches think they have something to teach about the Bible or about how the world works or whatever to people who are, you know, who don't, who don't have you know who happen to not have a home there, there's a just a misplaced uh, a lot of misplaced assumptions so my favorite image of, of what we do is something that really happened and that's when the first day that we didn't have enough or didn't have the food that we thought we were going to have putting on a table and we invited everyone to just create this potluck and when people started taking out what they had from their backpacks and putting it on the table um to me, that's the picture is that it's always a giant pot luck, but you have to have space for whatever the person has to bring to the table. And too many times, I think the model has been, you know, those who are um, housed um, will, uh, will just fill up every space that, that we, um, and then there is no room for someone to take that can of spam out of their backpack, which was the very first offering we had. Someone took a can of Spam, which as a vegetarian made my skin crawl, but still they put it on the table and then other people started taking out a variety of items, um, including sugar packets and, and that kept growing when people knew that what they had to give was being accepted and shared and that was growing for all of us. So we are the potluck model. Sounds like what you're saying is when Jesus was feeding the multitudes, it was actually a giant potluck. Uh, so. A giant potluck, but he had to accept what was That's being right. offered rather That's than right. go out to the oh. local giant and, you know, get enough food for 5,000 or whatever, right? The folks that are a part of the Welcome Church are part of all of the Welcome Church. Uh, when, an, when an initiative is being developed, they're a part of the dreaming and designing and leadership and visioning 
from very beginning all the way through. Um, and so that leads me to, to talk a little bit about this Covenant Fund uh, initiative that you all started dreaming up. I believe it was in like 2018 is when it first came to us in the Presbytery for responding to pervasive homelessness through the construction of tiny homes. I remember both the Covenant Fund and you all taking a risk and saying, hey, let's just give it a shot. Let's see, see what happens and see what the spirit does. And you have made such significant progress uh, in the construction of tiny homes through what you're calling the sanctuary village. So can you briefly share with us what the sanctuary village is and why tiny home communities is uh, an important model for responding to homelessness? Sanctuary village is the name of, a, of what is now an independent, non-religious, non-profit um, that the Welcome Church is in partnership with. How, it, how that all came about was originally a person who's now the president of the Sanctuary Village Board, whose name is Kathy Farrell. Um, her husband was actively involved with, with the, the Tuesday gathering of the Welcome Church. But she happened to, in a short succession of time, read two articles about tiny houses and really just sort of felt called to begin to pursue it. I mean, she knew something about the realities of some of the things people were facing on the streets from, from knowing her, the stories her husband would bring home and had the, you know, so the question of could this work in Philadelphia? Um, I, I, the original meetings that were held that began to flesh out were the process that has continued were, um, were attended by um, some people who, by Kathy and by Violet and me, and then by some people who had been had gotten involved with our work with the well, which is of course the women's shelter that the Welcome Church started. And they were also at that same time saying, you know, what else could we be involved in to 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 help the people who we've gotten to know through the well? The original grant from uh, the original covenant grant, I think, was how much was it, Greg? Thirteen or fourteen five? I think fourteen five. The grant that um, we were awarded, that Sanctuary Village was awarded from the city to do this pilot project was is for operating expenses, but that was for $500,000. And I think it's really important that, that people know this, not because it's a large amount uh, of money and a scary amount of money, but because the seeds that you planted was what gave us the um, encouragement <laughs> to even dare to ask for a meeting with the city. In our eyes, in my eyes, somebody giving us $14,000 to do something was phenomenal. And uh, so then to receive this very large grant was almost unbelievable. But I, I wanna tell you why the city was attracted to us and why it was unique. Not just because it was, it'll be the, you know, the first tiny house um, community in Philadelphia, but we went to, the city said with, with the assets that our folks bring and the strongest asset was the sense of community that's on the street. You might notice that some people are shifting from saying homeless to unhoused and that's on the street because even though folks on the street might not have housing, the sense of home and community that's created is amazing. And I think that's what so many people wanna tap into. So when we went to the city, the plan was to create, to take this sense of community and just carry it over into um, houses. 
so that you're not pulling people apart. You're not breaking up the community so people could have a house. Um, so when we first brought it, that was really the initial draw. It, was, it wasn't so much about building a shelter or about building houses, but it was about maintaining and strengthening community that this group already had built. Um, and, and that's why, you know, we feel like it could really be a strong success to have people living in community the way they are now in many cases. One of the things I've learned from you both is <clears throat> how we, um, as those who are housed, those who are not experiencing homelessness, we can so quickly think that the solution is to just house and that all of a sudden all the trauma that folks are experiencing uh, as those who call the streets their home, if you will, uh, will be solved. But what you've talked about a lot is by ripping them away from their community and putting them in a house, so often that can trigger certain elements of trauma and have the opposite effect. And that seems to be what you all are hoping to, to help mitigate through this unique response to homelessness. Yes. So for those who are interested in actual visuals of what you all are imagining a, a tiny home community looking like for Sanctuary Village, could you share what that might look like? A working number has always sort of been 12, eight, eight to 12 tiny houses. I think we, we are still talking about 12. Um, these will be um, each one an individual room, sort of, you know, with the intention that it houses one person. So each person has the ability to have a private space with a lock and a door and, you know, in a bed and, you know, in their personal possessions. And then there will be a community building in the, in the, in the space which will have the which will have the plumbing and the uh the, so the, the bathrooms the the um laundry facilities and and a, and a shared kitchen space and then shared community uh, space for whatever community gathering desires folks have and a definite plan and again drawing from the folks in Seattle a definite plan to to have a system of self governance develop yeah. which I think is uh you know we're not just sticking people in a in a house, so there will be ongoing supportive services for folks uh, moving into the houses. I mean, I'm sure folks are going to be leaning into this conversation, listening to this episode, and, and asking, what, what can I do? What can I do to support what Welcome Church is up to? Or, or how can I um, partner alongside them in, in, in their, their extension of community? Uh, how would you respond to that? What can churches do to support your efforts going forward? So I think beneath every challenge is um, is some kind of opportunity or invitation to, to really use uh, what God's given us. So for one thing, connection through prayer. Absolutely. We totally believe in the power of prayer. Pray for us. Um, that That's one thing you can do. But we also have had a number of... Um, uh, folks get their places this year and when somebody gets a place we put together what's called a welcome home kit and uh, there's a very specific list for that that we can give you more information uh, if you'd like that and essentially it's showing um, it's giving a shower for this person who's never had anything new for some people it's been up to 10 years they've been on the street and things for their kitchen bathroom bedroom and um, and usually it gets delivered and there's the opportunity for a house blessing. 
So a congregation can safely do during COVID, put together things for a welcome home kit for someone. We're also selling um, bricks, which will be made into like a walkway or a patio or at the, at the community. And that's a way people can inscribe whatever, you know, thought they have or need, you know, if they want to remember a specific person or if they want to share a you know, piece of scripture or a thought or a word that can be put into a brick. And that is another way the community will be come together and get supported is, is through this having a patio and the financial aspect of putting that together. So there are some ways to give being suggested and in this time of the money is being raised at this time for the actual building. Been a wonderful conversation and we are so grateful for how you all continue to extend your welcome of the church alongside uh, your neighbors in Philadelphia. Thank you for how you collaborate uh, for goodness in our city and greater region and how you have so faithfully uh, reflected the love of Jesus Christ. not only <laughs> to those who are in Philly who are experiencing homelessness, but also to, to us, your partners uh, in ministry. So it's been a joy and a privilege to hear these stories and our prayers are with you for sure. Thank you so much. It's been a joy to be here. And, uh, Absolutely. And thank you so much to the Presbyterian. It's helped us so much, yeah.